Hello and welcome to South Asia Chat, a podcast brought to you by the Institute of South Asian Studies at the National University of Singapore. I'm your host Ramita Ayer, a research analyst at the institute. In this episode, we will be looking at the economic outlook for South Asia this year. I'm glad to be joined by Dr. Amitendu Palit, Senior Research Fellow and Research Lead of Trade and Economics at ISAS. We will be discussing key economic issues over the past year and the prospects for the year 2023. Dr. Palit, welcome to South Asia Chat. Thank you, Ramita. It's a pleasure to join you on this conversation today. Uh, so starting off on a broader note, over the past year, the subcontinent has faced several challenges on account of global developments, which include the aftermath of the COVID-19 pandemic, the supply chain disruptions due to the Russia-Ukraine war, and predictions of a global recession affecting at least a third of the world. Could you throw some light on these international developments and how they shape the prospects for the region this year? Thank you, Ramita, again. I think uh, you correctly uh, pointed out the situation that is uh, facing not just the South Asian region, but the world at large. Uh, yes, there is uh, every possibility that uh, much of the world will experience an economic contraction in this particular year, which is the calendar year 2023. According to the International Monetary Fund, more than one third of the global economy is expected to experience a recession. But uh, one of the things to be noted in that regard is uh, much of it is expected to be confined uh, to the Atlantic uh, region of the world insofar as the impact of the recession is concerned. Europe is particularly likely to take a pretty bad hit. And then again, uh, parts of uh, America uh, might also experience contraction. Uh, The other somewhat disappointing feature in this regard is that if we look at uh, the engines of the global economy, so as to say, Uh, We normally identify Europe, the United States, and uh, China as the three main poles of global growth. But unfortunately, this is uh, turning out to be one of those rare years where we don't really see any of these uh, three major poles really coming out with a lot of, uh, uh, you know, uh, growth impetus from their side. So in that case, the issue that has surfaced now is that what does this mean for uh, South Asia? I think what it means for South Asia is the fact that when one looks at South Asia's integration with these three particular uh, growth poles of the world, all of which are important markets for South Asian products and at the same time, uh, important sources of material and products from South Asia as well. South Asian countries have their largest uh, integration with these uh, uh, particular economies of the world, it doesn't augur too well. And given the fact that it is coming at the back of a a situation where uh, there are already problems that are coming in so far as the uh, Sri Lankan situation is concerned, Sri Lanka is experiencing a a tough situation. Uh, There is also problem that is being faced by Bangladesh, that is a problem that is being faced by Nepal. So all these, I think, are turning out to be difficult conditions and South Asia should be prepared for facing a fairly tough year ahead. Uh, Thanks for that, Dr. Palit. Uh, Another significant point to note is that, uh, which you mentioned, which is that uh, various countries in South Asia have also been impacted by their own internal political and economic crises. Sri Lanka, for one, has faced its uh, deepest economic and political upheaval in 2022, and it has been largely agreed that misguided economic policies over the years is at the heart of the problem. While the country is on a road to recovery from uh, 
these issues, a large economic debt and public disaffection towards the administration makes the path a hard one. Uh, could you please share your thoughts on this? Sri Lanka will obviously experience a considerable amount of distress uh, going ahead. There is no doubt about that because there are uh, major challenges facing Sri Lanka in so far as the implementation of the IMF recovery package is concerned. Uh, the good side is that till now, since the time Sri Lanka has uh, appeared uh, or is appearing to have come out of the uh, social chaos that it has witnessed, the social disharmony and the law and order issues that had uh, impacted it uh, earlier uh, last year. Uh, these appear to have stabilized because such conditions are important for a country like Sri Lanka, which is essentially a small economy, uh, to implement a package which involves substantial conditionalities uh, like those of the IMF. And given that, I think today we are at a situation where uh, we can expect Sri Lanka to uh, be back on the path of economic growth over a period of two to three years if the main situation of this package remains to be implemented and is being implemented under conditions which are specifically conducive. And those conditions need to be maintained by the Sri Lankan government and the international community needs to work with it. I can't actually at this point in time subscribe to the view that Sri Lanka will exhibit a very robust momentum of growth because the IMF package involves several tough decisions that need to be taken, which are politically difficult to be taken. And I think those are the problems that uh, one is encountering at this stage. Moving on from Sri Lanka to another country that saw a rather challenging year in 2022, uh, Pakistan faces a multidimensional crisis with the threat of an economic collapse due to the political crisis, uh, high inflation rates, devastating floods, and a significant shortage of energy in the country. In fact, recent reports also suggest that the country's foreign exchange reserves are at its lowest since 2014. So where does the country go from here? Ramita, I think it's important to note that Pakistan is actually the second largest uh, economy of uh, the South Asian region uh, in a variety of indicators. Now, the, there, there are obvious implications of this uh, crisis that is affecting Pakistan because it is not just a problem of external balance of payments that is looming large for the country. Uh, there are reports that shipping lines have actually stopped uh, making payments or are threatening to do so. Uh, if their pending invoices are not yet cleared. So which means that if this uh, actually continues, then sooner or later, Pakistan will be in a situation where it will uh, face a difficulty of accessing its essential imports and raw materials. Now, what does this mean for Pakistan? I think what it essentially means is that there are uh, major macroeconomic management decisions that are uh, to be taken. Uh, it's not just a question of uh, taking difficult political decisions because difficult political decisions are those which once they translate into economic policies would produce results over a period of time. But what Pakistan really needs is a quick fire recovery, at least back to a point where it does not uh, go down uh, the path of economic decline the way it is doing right now. I'm sure Pakistan will approach more countries for support. It will reach out to the international community 
or a greater degree of support. Unfortunately, the situation in this respect is that uh, Pakistan hasn't always enjoyed uh, the most favorable perceptions as far as credit ratings and international investor outlook assessment is concerned. But on the whole, Pakistan's decline is bad news for the South Asian region. And I think uh, to put it in the perspective, uh, there are other economies of the region too, uh, which if you wish, we can discuss further, are, which are not really looking in the best of shape. And those taken together uh, do not imply very good uh, tidings for the biggest economy of the region, that is India. Because once India has its neighborhood economies uh, experiencing economic distress of the kind that they are, India's own economic challenges are going to mount further. Uh, we will come to India in a bit, but another interesting development in the subcontinent over the past decade has been the rapid growth of Bangladesh, uh, which has been hailed as the basket case for economic growth and development in the region. Over the years, the country has also started playing an important role within the South Asian subcontinent in the form of a foreign loans provider to other countries, including Sri Lanka. But the World Bank has also predicted some challenges for the country this year. What is your assessment of uh, Dhaka's growth story and where is it headed in the coming years? I'm afraid, Ramita, Bangladesh, uh, yes, indeed, it has been one of the brightest spots of the South Asian region. Its performance on social and human development, as we all know, has been commendable. So has been what it has been able to turn out on the economic front, particularly the achievements that it has made in uh, penetrating the global apparels market, where it has really stood out and achieved considerable distinction. But there are a few issues to be uh, noted in this regard, I think, which are important. Now, the first of this is that today uh, Bangladesh is uh, facing a very difficult time as far as uh, managing inflation is concerned. Inflation is a very challenging prospect and that has really begun uh, hitting uh, Bangladesh uh, badly because there are a lot of products which are facing a deep distress as a result of what is uh, happening in Bangladesh. Bangladesh will also have to uh, brace itself for the challenge that is coming up. And this is a challenge of uh, facing its transition to a, a different category other than a LDC category. And this category would mean that Bangladesh does not have access to the one-way preferential goods uh, markets that it enjoyed, including, uh, most importantly, the European Union. Now, I suspect uh, there are these uh, short-term and medium-term challenges which the Bangladesh economy will have to face, and this need to be uh, combined with the fact that remittances to the Bangladesh economy, which have been one of its mainstays as far as the balance of payments is concerned, uh, might also get affected if larger parts of the world experience economic recession, as uh, it is more or less uh, certain to be at this stage. Now, taken together, uh, what this means is that uh, this particular year and maybe even thereafter, perhaps not, uh, might not be as bright for the Bangladesh economy as they have been in the uh, recent past, because uh, these are a very different set of structural challenges that are facing the Bangladesh economy, uh, over which uh, the government and the internal policies don't really have much room for maneuver because these are challenges which are number one coming out of the current global conditions insofar as the 
contractionary effects and the inflationary effects are concerned. And number two is uh, what is totally structural as far as Bangladesh is concerned in so far as its transition uh, to being a non-LTC is concerned. There are several other issues that we could discuss pertaining to the economic realities and challenges faced by the subcontinent. But in the interest of time, I'd like to close off this episode with your thoughts on India's economy, uh, particularly on green economy, a sector that the World Economic Forum has projected a contribution of $15 trillion and about 50 million jobs. Can you tell us about the developments in the sector as well as some potential challenges that you foresee? Ramita, the question of green economy is something which needs to be looked at and thought through very carefully for the very simple reason that green economy has an unclear understanding in many perspectives. For a South Asian region and given the kind of regional complexities it has, green economy actually implies a situation where a substantial number of transformations need to be brought in. These transformations need to be in lifestyle. These transformations need to be in industrial processes. These in transformations need to be in habits. So let's say, for example, when we look at industry, a considerable part of industrial electricity or industrial capacities need to be run from renewables. There has to be a substantial amount of carbon footprint reducing habits that need to be developed by industrial processes. There are questions of environmental uh, sustainability governance that need to be instituted across enterprises. Industries, particularly public transport fleets over time, need to think about the kind of uh, improvements they will be made to make in this regard and perhaps transition to electric vehicles. But again, electric vehicles have their other set of challenges. On top of that, all these countries of the South Asian region, including India, are tackling to honor the commitments that they have made at the COP26 and 27. I don't think it's fair to expect the region to produce uh, very startling positive results soon on because the region has uh, very serious issues of its own. It's already grappling with a large number of natural uh, disaster and extreme weather events. These are going to be complicated situations, those will turn up in a in a period of time. And uh, much as the green economy targets and its achievement will remain a vision for guiding economic policy and practices in the region, they will take rather long to be accomplished and delivered. Uh, thanks for being on the podcast, Dr. Palit. You were listening to South Asia Chat. To learn more about our work, visit us at isas.nus.edu.sg. You can also get updates on our publications, events, and podcasts on social media. We're on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Mm-hmm.